Let's take our Bibles, please, tonight to Galatians chapter 5. I don't want it to seem like we were going to skip a fruit of the Spirit. Last time we talked about right of faith, of faithfulness. Tonight we're going back one step to goodness. Let's go to Galatians 5, verse 22. The Bible says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. That's kindness. Remember? Goodness, faith, that's faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. That word temperance means self-control. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. With the help of the Lord tonight, we're going to preach on the title again in our whole series of the Fruit of the Spirit, Fruit Inspection, and we're dealing with goodness. Goodness. We're going through each of these fruit. Remember, all of these are a part of one cluster. The cluster, right? The root is the fruit of the Spirit. He is the Spirit. And this is the result. The cluster, like a cluster of grapes, they're all from the same vine. You can't pick and choose which grape you have. They're all from the same vine. Just as Jesus said, I'm the vine, ye are the branches. Like that old song, bear precious fruit for Jesus to share. That's what we ought to do. Let's deal with goodness tonight. And hopefully this will be a great help to you because we don't really understand what goodness, what is goodness, and what does it have to do with the fruit of the Spirit? Let's pray together tonight. Father, thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. We thank you for allowing us to walk in it. It's something that we cannot do naturally. Our old rotten flesh can't do it. God, help us tonight to be clear. Let us preach your word clearly, boldly, and let us do honorably to your word. Father, please enable me. Give me your words. Give me your wisdom. God, help me preach with meekness, but with a heart of love, but with the boldness of a lion. Father, we love you. In Christ's name, amen. I got a question for you. How many of you consider yourself a good person? Anybody? You consider yourself a good person? Well, you know they did a survey to tell how you could tell if someone's a good person. All you have to do is go and see how they interact with a shopping cart. If you put it, if you put the shopping cart in its designated area in the parking lot, you're considered a good person. If you leave it to drift off into parking spots, you're a bad person. In other words, the shopping cart is what determines whether a person is good or bad uh, in their society. Listen, the correct action to take is to put the shopping cart where it's supposed to be. It's not illegal to abandon the cart. So you can do it without consequence. I mean, if you abandon the shopping cart in the middle of the street or in the middle of the parking lot, you're not going to get in trouble. You can't get arrested. You're not going to get sued. Nothing's going to go wrong. It's not illegal. Therefore, the shopping cart presents itself as an example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to. No one will punish you. No one will fine you. You gain nothing by returning the shopping cart. Nothing. You must return the shopping cart because it is the right thing to do. Friend, the word good is overused today. We say good job, good food, good game, good work. Many people, how many of you, if I asked you tonight, would say you want the good life? I want the good life. Now, when I say that, here's where we get fleshly. When I just said you want the good life, what did your brain picture the good life looking like? Huh? When I said the good life, sometimes I picture sitting on a beach 
with a million dollars in my bank account, no worries, right? With the, uh, the wind blowing all the way on my scalp to my bald spot. Just shining bright on the ocean there. Some of you thought the good life is sitting at home with your families and, and you're living or you're having a whole family dinner. I mean, many of us have different pictures of what the good life is. The good life for some people is feeling good. A back rub and a hot tub. That's all they want. The good life is to feel good. The good life for many people is looking good. They need their makeup done and their hair done. They think that's the good life, is if they look good. The good life for some today is about having the goods. To get all they can and can all they get. They want money, power, possessions. I've seen this. This, is, this was on a bumper sticker. It said this. The one who wins is the one who has the most toys at the end of life. Friends, what is the good life? Now, remember the fruit of the Spirit, these are all moral qualities. These are all things that we are. These are all things that we have when we walk in the Spirit. It's not goodness as the aspect of getting the good life. It's something that we are and that we become. Goodness, here's a definition as simple as I can put it. Goodness is being good and doing good. Goodness is being good and doing good. Thus, when you walk in the Spirit... You will be good and you'll do good unto others. Let's help tonight. That may not be the clearest of definitions, but I hope to illustrate and to help us tonight. Number one, I'd like you to see the motivation for goodness. What in the world motivates us to be good? Why should we be good? I mean, we deal with it with kids. People say, well, we don't talk that way towards adults. My friends, I want to remind you that adults are some bad people, right? There are a lot of adults who aren't good. In Acts 23 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And Paul, earnestly beholding the counsel, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. Acts 24.16 says this, Paul again, says, And herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. This idea of goodness is being this internal good, of being in a state of doing good as well. Micah 6, 8, many of you know this. It says this, O man, what is good? That's a question. What is good? And what doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Most people say that being good doesn't pay. Do you know that what I was taught growing up as a teenager is the good guy never gets the girl? huh? All the girls want is a bad boy. They want the bad guy. They want the troublemaker. They'll always say this. The businessman says, well, you can't be honest. You can't be a businessman of integrity and get money. You've got to cheat corners and cheat things to make more money. The good man doesn't get the money. Kids at school say, if you want to be popular, you have to be bad. If you want to be the cool kid at school, you're going to have to be bad. Friends, I want to tell you there's three motivations on why we should be good. Number one, you have an inward motivation. Inward. It's an inward one. How many of you have battled going to sleep because your mind has raced so aimlessly? You've just thought of things that make you feel guilty. Your mind is overwhelmed with things that you've done throughout your day. I mean, you are just overwhelmed in your mind and your conscience is bothered You can't have any peace. If that's you, my friend, you need to walk in the Spirit 
and have goodness. Friends, we know what we are, don't we? We know what we are. We know who we are. We know the deepest secrets of our heart, whether we are good or whether we are bad. Many of us have a bad conscience. Many people today cannot sleep. They have no peace. They have no inward safety and stability because their conscience is scarred or seared. A good conscience is this. It's inner peace and inner freedom. It means that no one is able to point a finger towards you of any wrongdoing you've done that you haven't made right. Listen to this definition of a good conscience. If you knew me the way I knew me, you would still respect me. What if everyone knew you the way you know you? Would they still think the same way about you? Who are you in secret, in other words, is the question that's asked. It says, if you knew me the way I know me, you would still respect me. When you have a clear conscience, it gives you freedom. It removes you from fear. Do you know this also goes with integrity? Integrity means this, having nothing to hide and nothing to fear. Friends, many of us live in fear. Any of you ever seen a, a young couple? You know what a man does. He does not want his girlfriend to go through his phone. A man who does not want his girlfriend to go through his phone, you know why? There's something he's hiding on there, friends. Listen, my wife knows my codes. She knows my passwords to all my apps. Listen, integrity is having nothing to hide and nothing to fear. When you have a clear conscience, it gives you freedom. Do you know, listen to me, do you know why some people don't pray, they don't read their Bible, and some don't come to church? You know why? Their conscience is wrong. They're guilty. They can't pray. They know they're not right. They can't come to church. They're guilty. I know people who don't come into this church because their conscience is so messed up. They can't even think straight. They can't even show up because of how bothered they are on the inward part of their minds. I have people who won't read their Bible because they know how wrong they are, how bad they are. A good conscience will do something for you a sleeping pill can never do. This goodness, this conscience of ours is the inner judge that God gives you. Listen, don't push off guilt. Sometimes you do need to feel guilty, you dirty dog. You good, guilt is good. It is good for us to feel bad for doing wrong. Again, we're supposed to feel bad if when, if and when we do wrong. That is our conscience and that is how the Holy Spirit works. If you don't feel bad when you do wrong, that's an even bigger red flag for you. That's your internal motivation. I want that inward goodness. I want that inner conscience. I want to be free from any fault. I want to walk in that freedom of being inward. You know why many of your people are so anxious? They're so in, unstable and so depressed. It's because inwardly they are eaten up. Their conscience is totally messed up. They're guilty. They're done. They're doing things that they're not proud of. They're doing things they're ashamed to say. And it messes with your conscience, friends. It messes with your mind. And a good conscience is one of the best gifts God can ever give you. Secondly, you have an outward motivation. Our lives influence others around us. You doing good and being good is one of the best ways you impact other people. The Lord Jesus Christ was good and He did good. 1 Corinthians 8.13 says this, Wherefore, 
If meat make thy brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. What Paul said is this. He said, I will not do anything, even if I think I'm allowed to do it, if it hurts someone else. If He says this. He's really talking about food. He says, if I eat something that offends someone, they know I shouldn't eat, they think I shouldn't eat, then even though I could eat it and be fine, I'm still not going to do it and offend them. I'm not going to offend their heart. Paul said, I don't want to do anything that causes someone else to fall. Friends, I want to tell you that many of us today, when we walk in the flesh, we are the reason other people fall. You are leading people. If someone followed your steps, if someone followed where you lead right now in your life, where would you follow, where would they follow you to? Would they follow you to righteousness, holiness, loving Christ? Would they follow you to flesh fits, to fleshly lusts, and to even more sin? Listen, the father may be a moderate drinker, but the son will be an alcoholic. Go ahead. Give Satan an inch and he will what? He'll take a mile. Give it to him, he'll take it. Give your flesh an inch. Satan will give you all the ammo your flesh needs to feed it. Because this is not how Satan wants you to live. This is the way God wants you to live. Did you know you're the best Christian and the worst Christian someone knows? When someone thinks about you, there are probably at least one person who thinks you're the best Christian they know. And to someone else, you're probably the worst Christian someone knows. So how we live, our goodness, it comes from walking in the Spirit. I want to remind you, I don't want to jump too far ahead. But The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, the Bible says. You cannot do good and be good on your own. Did you hear me? Paul is expressing to these people, try your good works. Do it. Do your best. You're not good. You are evil. Your inward part is naturally wicked. You in your natural state, in your flesh, is evil. You are evil. You are wicked. You are wretched. Your natural state is wicked. You're not good. You weren't born good. You don't stay good. You don't die good unless the Holy Spirit is being shown through you. You may have good acting old boys, but you mark it down. They're not good. They're not good. They just don't show you the whole picture. That's why social media deceives so many. Social media is just like it is with the flesh. It looks really good on the outside. But when you really saw what was going on, you'd realize their life's a wreck. And they're absolutely destroyed. There would be nothing worse for us than, than for us to be motivation for someone else to go to hell. So we have to walk in the Spirit, because when you walk in the flesh, you're just leading people straight to hell. When you walk in the flesh, you are leading people down a road. I'm telling you, some people think very highly of each of you as a Christian. And if they see you doing something and saying something, to them it gives them the absolute approval to do it and to do it even more. As a child sees their daddy say something or act a certain way. Remember that old country song? Old country song? I don't want to put in profanity in your mind. But he said a four-letter word. He learned it from his daddy. When he slammed the brakes, the four-year-old screamed that word out. And he learned it from his daddy. I'm telling you, the way we live, my friends, you give people the green light to continue in their sin by the way you live. And goodness will help with that. Thirdly, you have upward motivation. Upward. You have inward, outward, upward motivation. One of God's faithful missionaries, his name was Alan Gardner. 
He experienced many physical difficulties and hardships throughout his service to the Savior. Despite his trouble, he said this, While God gives me strength, failure will not daunt me. In 1851, at the age of 57, this Alan Gardner died of disease and starvation while serving on Pitcairn Island at the southern tip of South America. When his body was found, his diary was laid near him. It bore the record in his diary of hunger, thirst, wounds, loneliness. The last entry of his little book showed the struggle of his shaking hand as he tried to write legibly. The last words in his letter in his diary before he died. It read, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. Goodness. Being good and doing good. Friends, there's a God in heaven who wishes for us to do good. But we can. Here's listen to me. God wants to get us to the point in our lives when we realize you can't do it, you rotten, proud, fleshly man and woman. You can't do it on your own. You can't be good on your own. You can't do good on your own. The Bible said it is God which willeth in us to do good of His pleasure. It's God that works in us. Here's the rule. If there's anything bad about me, blame me. But if there's anything good about me, blame God. That's the rule. There is nothing better than being void of offense towards God. How many of you want to be clear with God, a clear conscience towards God, where you say this, God, there's nothing between me and you. I haven't done anything wrong today between me and you. You and me are solid. We're golden. We're walking hand in hand. Would you all like that? I'd love to have that too. Acts 11.24 says this about Barnabas. Listen to what it says about Barnabas. He was a good man. Yeah, he's a good man. And full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. He was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Ghost. You can't have one without the other. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll be a good man and a good woman. If you are not a good man or a good woman, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. Again, the fruit of the Spirit, when the man and woman who's saved walks in the Spirit, these are the results of their life. Wouldn't it be wonderful, let's be honest, wouldn't it be wonderful if every member of our church walked in the Spirit? Could you imagine? Could you imagine the way that we would interact with each other? Could you imagine the love, the joy, the peace, the happiness that comes from us when singing hymns, when we're walking in the Spirit? I mean, we'd be on fire! Could you imagine the goodness and kindness and the encouragement that we'd have with one another? How it would set this place afire. How wonderful it would be. So you saw, number one, the motivation for goodness. Now let's move on. The misunderstanding of goodness. Many of you misunderstand goodness. When your parents told you to be good, you misunderstand it. You misunderstood. I want to tell you something that I want to get through your thick Southwest VA skull. You are not good. You're not good. You're not a good person. You're not. Many of us raise our hand. We think we're good old boys, good old sis. We're not good people. The Bible says in Romans 3.12, says they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We are not naturally good. We are wicked from the beginning. Parents, did you have to teach your kids to be evil and wicked? and manipulate and lie? huh? Did you have to teach them to steal when they were little? And to be greedy and hateful and mean? huh? Did you have to teach those rotten kids 
to be mean? No, you didn't. We must. How do we solve this mystery? How do we become good? How do we not misunderstand this? My friends, let me tell you this. We must walk in the Spirit. Listen, all the goodness that comes from us is a result of our walk with Him. It is not your natural state. Quit saying it's from your mommy and papa. It's not from your granny and grandpa. You, all these wonderful things. They're all from God. Jeremiah 13.23 says this, asking a question. Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. The Bible, did you get that? The Bible says, hey, can the African man in his skin, can he change his skin color? Can the leopard change his spots? No. So Jeremiah says, you that are normally evil, that's the same odds you have to being good. You can't do it. It's not possible that way. You cannot be good in your natural state. People all the time profess their goodness, their wonderfulness, how wonderful they are. They donate to the Red Cross. They give to Santa, ringing the bell at the grocery store. They give $20 in the church plate. Listen, we need to realize that if we could be saved by how good we are and what good we do, we still couldn't be saved because we're not naturally good. This is good news for you. Because the Bible says, if we were just naturally good and wonderful, wonderful people, friends, why would we need such a Savior to die for our sins? We are not good. Our righteousness is filthy rags. We're not excellent people. We're not as great as we are. Your flesh and your mind and your heart has lied to you and has tried to convince you that you're something and you're all that and a bag of chips. You think that way about yourself, but we deceive ourselves. That's why there's nothing good, Paul said, about me. It's all Him. There's nothing good about me. It's all Christ. It's all Him. Not me. It's not me at all. Let's go to number three. We're moving quick through number two. I want to tell you, number three, here's where it gets good. If you don't listen to anything else, here's where you need to listen, please. Number three, the method of goodness. Listen to Romans chapter 7 as I read it, please. This is what Paul says. He says, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Can you say that about yourself? He says, I know within me dwells no good thing. We're talking about goodness. It says, for to will is present with me. He says, I want to be good. Then he says, but how to perform that which is good I find not. He says, I want to be good, but I can't figure out how to be good. I can't do it. It says this, listen to what the Bible says. It says, for the good that I would, I do not. He says, the good things I want to do, I don't do it. I have a lot of good ambitions, but I don't do it. We're probably the same way. It says, but the evil, which I would not, that I do. He says, I have the will. I want to do good, but I don't do good. It says, the evil I don't want to do, I still do. Does that sound like us? Yeah, there's stuff in our life I don't want to do, but I still do it anyways. It says, now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Paul wants to do good, but he can't. The good Paul wanted to do, he doesn't do. The evil Paul doesn't want to do. He says, I don't want to do it. He does it anyway. It's a sin that dwells within him. The Holy Spirit must 
work in our lives to give us this goodness. Paul doesn't want to do the bad things, but there is something in him that's awful and ugly. Let's be honest this week. How many of you have not wanted to do something? I mean, you really I don't want to do it, but you still did it. Yeah. Paul loves the Word of God. He's born again and he wants to serve God. Does that sound like you? But we still do bad, don't we? Paul has the will to do good, but he says here, I don't know how to do good. I don't know how to do it. Do you guys ask the same question? Well, how do I do it then? How do I be good? Because I want to, but I can't. I'm not doing it. That's how, that's how new Christians are. They say, I'm saved. Many of us are like this. How many of you have ever done this? You sin, and you say, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> do you know how wrong that is? That's a wrong mentality. Many of us say, I'm not going to do this from here on out. I'm going to be good from here on out. Listen, the desire isn't enough. Paul said it. He says, I will. I want to do good. Desire's not enough. So sit there and say, I'm not going to do it all you want. Desire's not enough. He says, the good, the evil I don't want to do, I do. Determination's not going to be enough. My friend, Paul came to a point in his life, here's what you need. I'm going to give you a minute to write your notes because you need to listen to this. Desire wasn't enough. Determination wasn't enough. You know what he needed? Despair. Despair. You're like, wait, why does he need despair? Well, we're about to tell you. Romans 7.24 says this. This is the same verses we just read about him doing evil. The same context. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am. He was so fed up with himself. He said, Who shall deliver me from the body of death? This sin. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ is his answer. He came to despair. He can't do it on his own. You can't do it on your own. Listen to me. Do you know when he said, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Why don't you turn there? I want you to see it. Go to Romans chapter 7, please. Romans chapter 7. We'll read this together. I want to really illustrate this for you, the way that he uses it in the Greek. Romans chapter 7. Just a few pages to the left there, past Corinthians. Verse 24. Romans 7.24. Look at it as I read it. It says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me, look at this, from the body of this death. Do you know what this means in the Greek? When one man back then would kill another man, they would usually have a punishment. I have to illustrate this for you. as you're, So take a moment from writing. Let me illustrate this for you. When, they, when you killed another man, they would take a cor- that corpse, that dead body, they would tie it to your body, face to face, legs to legs, feet to feet, and you would carry that dead body around of the person you killed. And as the living man would carry the dead man, face to face, foot to foot, he would carry it until that dead body would eat into his own body and kill the living man. It would eat him alive, the dead corpse would. And kill him. That's what Paul means when he says, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Paul says this. He says, I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. I'm saved, but this sin, this evil, this bad part of me is still there eating away the good. He says, Who shall deliver me from this? Where's the help from the sin? Who shall help me? Friends, 
This is what Paul says when he's wretched. He's carrying around this body of death, this body of sin with him. Listen to me clearly. The Holy Spirit wants to bring us to this place. The Holy Spirit wants you to be like, oh, wretched man that I am. You think that's bad for you. No, it's good. Listen. We, listen. The Holy Spirit wants us to bring us to this place. Many think that we're too weak. How many of you think with sin we're too weak? No. It's not that you're too weak. It's that you're too strong. You're too strong. You're too high-minded. You're too headstrong. You're too proud. You think you can take care of it. You're not too weak to fight sin. You're too strong. You keep putting all the load on you. You keep trying to put all the weight on you. You keep saying, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm resolved. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to sin. It's the problem is you're too strong, not too weak. You're still too proud. You're still too arrogant. You're still too boastful. And Paul says, listen, oh, wretched man that I am, I can't do it. God help me. And he came to the point where his strength became weakness. And you remember the Bible says this, God's strength is made perfect in weakness. He needs us to be weak. He makes us this way because we must rely on him. Let me read this to you. Watchman Nee, N-E-E. He was a Christian teacher who founded many Christian churches. He told a story of a man who was drowning. A crowd had gathered. Listen, the man was drowning in the water. The crowd had gathered around and there was one man who could save him. Only one man could swim out of the whole crowd. So this man who was drowning, he kept going up and down. And the man just stood there. The one man who could save him wouldn't jump in. Everyone's like gasping. Get in! Help him! Why aren't you saving him? And the man's still bobbing up and down. Suffering, suffocating. He's still, I mean, fighting and fighting. The man still stands there. Everyone's like, save him! Jump! Save him! The man still stands there. He won't save that man. Finally, the man fighting goes under and stays under. And then the man jumps in to save him. People are appalled. He pulls the man back. He lives. He doesn't drown. And they ask the man, why in the world did you wait so long to save him? The man said, well, if I would have saved him in all his strength and all his jumping around and all his throwing his hands and whatnot, if I would have saved him during that, he would have sunk us both. His strength would have sunk us both. I needed him to be, be completely powerless and out of energy for me to save him. And that's the same way it is with the Lord. He needs us to lose. He's going to put us to the place where we lose all strength. Because then we realize we can't save ourselves anyway. He said, and I quote, Had I gone out there while this man was still fighting, he would have drowned us both. I had to wait until he was weak enough for me to save him. That's the problem with our sin and our goodness. You're too strong. You're not too weak. You're too strong. It is not what will deliver us. It is who will deliver us. Romans 7.25 says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. God does not just eradicate our sin. Wouldn't that be nice though? He allows us to wrestle 
so we may learn to rely completely on Him. You keep losing your battle and are you're being bad because you're too strong. The Bible says walk in the Spirit. You know when you walk in the Spirit what you have to do? Put away your flesh. Yeah. And the problem is that makes you humble. The next one we're going to talk about is meekness. It's going to give that idea of humility. The Holy Spirit makes you meek. Friends, I'm here to tell you, we are not good on our own. You must walk in the Spirit to have good and to be good. And He will help you with your conscience. You're too strong to be good on your own. And when you walk in the Spirit, we will be good people and we'll do good to people. Let's pray together tonight.